Now, we've been doing this series entitled God's Grand Story, and it's really just the story of the Bible. What we're doing is we want to see how it all fits together, and we're delving in in some different places, but I want you to see the big picture of the Bible. So many times we have a pick a verse here and a verse there, but we don't know how it all fits together. And so what we're doing is we're taking some time to really tell God's grand story. Now, the Bible is divided into two parts, Old Testament and New Testament, starting with the birth of Jesus in the New Testament. But we've taken the Old Testament so far, and we've divided it into six parts, and we're in the fifth part now. Now, the six parts of the Old Testament are, first of all, number one, beginnings. In the beginning, God created. It's the book of Genesis. Number two is wilderness wanderings. Israel, under the leadership of Moses, wanders the wilderness for 40 years. And then the third part of the Old Testament is the promised land. After Moses dies, Joshua, the new general of Israel, takes him into the promised land. We have the book of Joshua, the book of Judges. And then the fourth part is we have a united kingdom of Israel under a king, one king, first Saul, then King David, then King Solomon. After a united kingdom, the fifth part of the six parts is a divided kingdom. That is where this kingdom, this united kingdom under Solomon is now divided because of Solomon, because of his son Rehoboam. And now we have two kingdoms, and we have the ten tribes out of the twelve become the northern kingdom and the two southern tribes, Judah and Benjamin, the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom will be called Israel. The southern kingdom will be called Judah. So when you are reading your Bible, and you, in that section, you'll find out that when he talks about Israel, he's talking about those ten northern tribes. And when he talks about Judah, he's really talking about Judah and Benjamin, or the southern kingdom. Now, what is interesting is that during this time, and this is a period of 300 years, that we have a divided kingdom. But during, during this time, what we have is a real mess. Now, the northern kingdom, called Israel, these 10 tribes, actually will have, during this 300-year period, will have 19 kings. And every one of them was bad. All 19 are evil. Now the southern kingdom, which is going to be called Judah as you read your Bible, during that time has 20 kings. And of those 20 kings, eight of them is good to a varying degree. And so what would happen is, occasionally a king would rise up in the southern kingdom or the kingdom of Judah and see just how far the people of God had gone away from the ways of God and God himself. And that king would decide to stop that and to turn them around back to God and back to the ways of God, back to, you know, revival. And so we're going to talk about one such king, and his name is King Asa. Now again, the first king of Judah was Rehoboam. That was the time of the split. After Rehoboam, he has a son named Abijah, and he ruled only for three years. And after him, his son is Asa, and he becomes king of Judah. Now, he will actually lead Judah for 41 years. And if you kind of want to know where this happens in history, he leads Judah from 911 B.C. to 870 B.C. And the thing about King Asa is he starts out so well, and actually he continues well for most of the time, but he ends in foolish unbelief. 
Now, before we look at his story, I know there's people sometimes asking, we're going to church and we're hearing about some Old Testament story that happened in hundreds of years B.C. How is that relevant to my life? Well, here's an important passage to keep in mind. The book of Romans, chapter 15, and verse 4, says this, Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. So God's purpose for giving us the Old Testament with all of its stories and its teachings is to help us today have hope. Now, hope is not the way it's used modernly of, I hope it happens, it might, it might, might not. That's not biblical hope. The biblical hope definition is a certainty that God's going to come through for me in the future as I trust in him. So these stories are going to help that rise up in us if we will believe these stories, receive the truth of these stories. So let's look at the story of King Asa and let's get some hope. First of all, King Asa begins well. Let's go through some verses and kind of summarize how he began. We have, starting off, and again, this story is 2 Chronicles 14 through 16. We have in 14.2, Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. What a great start. 14.3, he removed the foreign altars and the high places. So he takes down all the idols. All right, in 1516, even his mother, King Asa, removed from being queen mother because she had made a detestable image for Asherah. That was one of the idols. 14.4, he commanded Judah to seek the Lord. He's commanding the whole nation, we're going to seek the Lord. 14.6, he had no war for those years, for the Lord gave him peace. In 14.7, so they built and prospered. So what a great uh, beginning we have with Asa's leadership. He's living a life of obedience. He's called the people of Judah to live a life of obedience and trust the Lord. And the Lord responds to that by blessing them and giving them peace and giving them prosperity. Well, Asa not only began, well, he continued. Well, let's keep going. As the story goes, chapter 14, verse 8 of 2 Chronicles, Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah and 280,000 men from Benjamin. Those two tribes, two southern tribes. Verse 9, but Zerah the Ethiopian came out against them with an army of a million men, 300 chariots. 14.11, Asa cried to the Lord his God, and listen to this prayer. O Lord, there's none like you. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rely on you. O Lord, you are our God. Let not man prevail against you. 14.12, so the Lord defeated the Ethiopians before Asa. Chapter 15, 17 and 19, the heart of Asa was wholly true all his days, and there was no more war until the 35th year of the reign of Asa. So Asa trusted God. He didn't trust in his own ingenuity and his own strength when this army came against him and against Judah and Benjamin. His reliance was on the Lord. 
Now, before we leave this point, I want us to kind of unpack that a little bit. What does it look like to trust the Lord when you have something coming up against you that's overwhelming? What does that look like? Well, we see from Asa's experience, I want to break it into three parts, what it looks like to rely on the Lord. First of all, he recognizes that no one and nothing can help like God. He says, oh Lord, there's none like you to help. See, by the way, when we have a situation against us, the first place that we turn for help in a situation tells a lot about us. Well, here, Asa, the first thing he does is turn to God, realizing that there's no one and there's nothing that can help like God, so why don't we turn to him first? You know, it's interesting that God does not promise to help those who treat him like a last resort and not a first defense. Asa looked immediately to God when the Ethiopians invaded, not to his own resources. I mean, we don't see him getting out his phone and unlocking it and asking Siri for help. He looks immediately to God, not his own resources, not money, not allies, knowing that God is greater than what's coming against him. That's where it starts. Look immediately to God. Secondly, he acknowledged his own weakness and God's strength. He says, 2 Chronicles 14, 11, O Lord, there's none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. The Ethiopians were mightier. They were mightier in power and in number. Judah, the nation under Asa, was weak. But the king knew that his God confounds the wisdom of even the wisest, overturns the power of the strongest, makes even the weak mighty. He knew all that. See, another reason we got to make sure that we turn to the Lord is realizing our weakness, acknowledging it. We're weak, God is strong. The third thing we see Asa do is he took the courageous next step in reliance to God. What was the next step after that prayer? We, we kind of know what the next step is by what he prayed. In 2 Chronicles 14, 11, he says, Help us, O Lord our God, for we rely on you, and in your name we have come against this multitude. So because they trusted in God, they didn't just pray, God, help us, and then go hide. They prayed, God, help us, and then they went out and faced the enemy. So what happens when Asa runs to God for help? We see that God runs to fight for Asa. So 2 Chronicles 14, 12 says, So the Lord defeated the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. So Asa relied on the Lord, and God defeated a million soldiers. Now again, so Asa rules for 41 years in Judah. 35 years of that reign was almost, almost all of it was peaceful. God was with him, God blessed him, God protected him, prospered him in all kinds of wonderful ways. But something happened in Asa, something happened in Asa that when he got to his 36th year, he didn't trust the Lord anymore. He wasn't relying on him, he wasn't calling out to him. Let's read that. Chapter 16 now, 2 Chronicles. In the 36th year of the reign of Asa, 
Basha, king of Israel, remember that's the northern kingdom, ten tribes. Basha, the king of Israel, went up against Asa and besieged Judah that no one might go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. Then Asa, now we're in 16, 2 and 3, then Asa took silver and gold from the treasures of the house of the Lord and sent them to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, saying, Go, break your covenant with Basha, king of Israel, that he may withdraw from me. And Ben-Hadad listened to King Asa and sent the commanders of his armies against the cities of Israel. Verse 5 of 16, And when Basha heard it, it, he withdrew. 16, 7, But Hanani, I'm sorry, yeah, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped you. Verse 9, you have done foolishly. So chapter 16 describes what happened in the 36th year of King Asa's peaceful reign. So verse, verse 1 tells us that Basha, the king of Israel, that's the northern kingdom, he went, he went up against Asa. And what does he do? He builds a fortified, basically a siege against the city so he could, he could you know, seal off the land. And it's called Ramah. And it was occupied, so he called it the city named Ramah. It was an occupied siege is what it was. It was a blockade against Judah so they could control access to Asa's land and starve him out. Now here we see what Asa does. This time he doesn't immediately do what he did when the Ethiopians were attacking. He doesn't cry out to the Lord. Instead, he immediately turns to human resources. He turns to temple money, money from the temple, and then he hires this pagan king of Syria to come up against the king of Israel so he'll back away and he can be removed from this siege. In other words, Asa pays the king of Syria temple money to attack Israel from the north and get Basha to back off. And Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, does exactly that. Verse 5 says, When Basha heard of it, he stopped building Ramah, the blockade, and let his work cease. So Asa tears down the siege. And all seems well. It worked. Judah's secure. There's peace. Basha is humiliated and he left. But Asa's unbelief, his relying not on God but on man, brought, did bring short-term relief, but it's about to bring some long-term hardship. You know, so many times we rely on ourselves, we rely on our own resources, and things seem to go well for the short term. But things are not well when we stop relying on God. Stop trusting in Him. You miss all kinds of tremendous blessings when you don't rely on God for the solution. What are some of the blessings that Asa missed? Well, verse 7 says, Because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped you. See, God would have not only protect Asa and Judah and Benjamin, from Basha and Israel, if he would have, they would have cried out to him. But he would also, 
God would have given the entire Syrian army into the hands of Asa so they'd no longer be a future problem. But Asa throws all that away by trusting in money and in man and not in God. And I want you to and look at the hardship that, will, that comes into his peaceful life. Verse 9b says, you've done foolishly in this. From now on, you will have wars. Now, we know from Scripture, passages like Romans 8, 28, that if we repent after such unbelief, that God will take our chastisements of hardship and actually turn them for our good, kind of like fatherly discipline and not judicial condemnation. But Asa didn't do that. Asa does not repent. His last six years, there is no sign of any repentance. In fact, there's evidence he didn't repent. Here's what it says in 2 Chronicles 16.10. Then Asa was angry with the seer, the prophet, and put him in prison. How dare you talk to me? I'm King Asa. Put him in prison. For he's enraged at him for this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at the same time. So Asa puts the prophet in prison, oppresses the people, and becomes an old, unbelieving, bitter man. And then, 2 Chronicles 16, 12, in the 39th year of his reign, Asa was diseased in his feet, and his, and his disease became severe, and yet even in his disease... He did not seek the Lord, but sought help from physicians. Now, just as going to battle with the Ethiopians, like he did, he was, they were putting their trust in the Lord, but they still went out in battle. But their confidence was not in their own strength, but in the Lord. But they still went out in battle. So also, it's possible to benefit from doctors and hospitals by putting our trust in God and not in the doctors but in the Lord. But Asa isn't seeking the Lord at all. He isn't trusting the Lord. He's, just, he's, tra he's tragically, I mean, he's ending his life as just an old, angry, unbelieving, bitter man. So for 35 years, Asa sought the Lord, relied on the Lord, but then for six years, he does not seek the Lord, he does not rely on the Lord. I was studying this, it just hit me. Grace Community Church has sought the Lord and relied on the Lord now for 35 years. We are in our 36th year. It was in Asa's 36th year that he started to rely on money and man and human ingenuity. We must be careful that we do not let that happen to us. Amen? But God warned Asa through the prophet Azariah. He warned him, 2 Chronicles 15, 2. Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. And if you seek him, he'll let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. God not only warned Asa through the prophet Azariah, he warned him through the prophet Hanani. 2 Chronicles 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. What was the message to Asa? 
The message was, if you seek God and his help in your desperation, no one and nothing will be able to harm you. But if you run elsewhere for help and do not turn to God, no one and nothing will be able to save you. Now, with serious help, it's interesting, with serious help, Asa won the battle, but he lost the Lord's support. The blazing eyes of the Lord that are searching the earth to and fro, looking for those whose hearts are completely his, that he might strongly support them, those eyes are no longer looking on him. They're no longer looking at Asa because his heart's no longer completely the Lord's. See, when we run to someone else or something else to the exclusion of God, at the, at the bottom, we are showing that what, that's who we really rely on. We rely on ourselves, not God. Instead of immediately stopping and praying, you know, we tend to get out our phone, we start going down, seeing who we can contact to help us. Is there a Syria in your phone? You know, when conflict comes in our marriages, in our friendships, and we neglect to actually stop and ask God for help, should we be surprised when conflicts become even more frequent and volatile? Or when our ministries, if you have a ministry that's mired in a swamp of relational organizational problems, and you are putting off concerted prayer, don't be surprised if the waters of your problem keep rising and your feet keep sinking. What major decisions right now are hovering over you like a storm cloud? And what are you going to do with that problem? Are you going to immediately cry out to God? Or are you beginning to think about who should I call? What can I do? How can I figure this out? Author Marshall Siegel writes, what if Asa would have just seen how much he lost when he won the battle without God? What if he would have seen how shallow and temporary his victory was? What if he would have listened? Instead, Asa hated the prophet's message. Put him in stocks in prison. That's how stubborn self-reliance responds when confronted with the truth. Now, when God reminds us through his word, how much we need him, like he's doing right now, through his word, reminding all of us how much we need him. We can either rise up right now in pride and defend ourselves on why we did it that way, why we didn't come to him, why we didn't need to, or we can humbly get to our knees and just repent with a broken heart of repentance. Lord, how could I have trusted in anything, anyone? not turn to you right away. But if we do run to God and rely on him, casting all of our burdens onto him because he cares for us, 1 Peter 5, 7, trusting the one who did not spare his only son and therefore gladly give us all things, Romans eight thirty two. If we do that, then God will help us. He will help us. Whenever we need him, however weak we feel, whatever stands against us, whatever it takes, he will help us. He will. 
Author John Piper writes about this passage as well, and he says, the very nature of God is that he's eager to show his power on behalf of people who trust him. He not only did it once in the past with Asa, needed help with the Ethiopians, but it is the way he is. That is what it means to be an absolutely all-knowing, all-powerful, all-sufficient God who overflows in might and glory. Just because he's God, he loves to show off his power on behalf of the weak who trust him. Again, 2 Chronicles 16.9, the eyes of the Lord search the earth to and fro. Right now he's doing that. Right now the eyes of God are searching the entire earth. He's looking at every heart, including yours and mine. And when he finds a heart that's completely his, he loves to come support them. He loves it. I want you to think about this for a second. I love sports. I love athletics. I want you to think about the Big 12 Conference for a moment and scouts. The scouts from all the different colleges of the Big 12 that are going, their eyes are searching the entire state of Texas looking for good athletes. And if there's a good athlete somewhere, they might, they, they're going to know it because they're searching the entire state of Texas, every high school. Find a good athlete and try to get that athlete to come to their school. Why do they do that? Because they're scouts. That's what scouts do. That's their job. That's how they're wired. They're scouts. Well, that is what God does. God is just like that. His, he just is searching the whole earth, trying to find those whose hearts are his why? Because that is just how he is, and he wants to strongly support them. He wants to do this. He loves to do this. That is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who loved us and gave himself for us. This is the God who hears all your prayers. He hears them all. This is the God who created the universe and holds it all together without any effort. This is the God who stands in this room right now, He's here right now talking to you through his word. He's speaking to you right now through his word. And he's calling you and he's calling me to trust him, to call on him, to rely on him. Because he wants to come to our aid. He loves to do this. So this is the message from the word of God to us today. Seek God. Trust him. Make him your first line of defense not your last resort in everything. If you do, he promises to come through for you. It may not be in your timing, but it might be a better timing, but he will come through. He will. I want us to stand and close this time with ministry time, so please stand. I'm going to ask Brandy to come on up. Because if, if you believe everything we just heard from the Word of God, if you believe this and receive this, then what's going to happen? Hope will rise up in your heart. Hope, that confidence that God's going to come through for you in the future. Some of you right now feel like you've got a million-man army against you. Some of the stuff coming against you. Some of you feel like you're surrounded you're in a siege. Some of you feel like all these things are coming up against you, and the question is, what will you do? Some of you already made decisions that messed things up and made more wars happen, 
more problems. Some of you already trusted in money or man or your own ingenuity. You didn't cry out to God, and now you've got a bigger mess. You know, when we come together every Sunday, the Bible says we don't go to church. We are the church, and when we come together, we're living stones that make a temple that God fills. See, I'm glad for those of you that are online with us today, but I tell you, there's some things you can't get online. When you come together as a church, and as a temple, God fills things, and God does some things there because he's here doing it. And one of the things I think he does is when we really blow it, and we've all been down that road, we've all blown it. We blow it and we make a decision or decisions, and we don't go to the Lord, and then we got a bigger mess. Times like this matter where we can just make this an altar and come up and say, Lord, I repent for that. I confess that. I was trusting in the wrong thing or the wrong person, and I ask for forgiveness. I'm trusting in you today. And those kind of times matter. Some of you, your whole, the whole course of your life will change in the next five minutes because you will come to the Lord and say, Lord, I've been trusting in man or, or money or whatever, and you're going to say, no more. I got myself in a mess. Forgive me, Lord. Please get me out of the mess. I trust in you. And some of you are right now got a big decision to make. What will you, how will you make it? You're also invited to this time to come down front and say, Lord, I'm giving this to you. I've got this problem. I'm giving it to you. Casting all my cares upon you because you care for me. Here it is. I rely on you. You are strong. I am weak. Help God. And give him a whole heart and he will help you. So during this song, if that's you in either one of those categories, then come on up and just either repent because you already got in a jam or you got, or ask the Lord for help. But either way, everyone's relying on him during this song with your situation. Father, you know every story in this room. You know every decision that we've already mucked up. Lord, you know situations that are before us that we have a decision to make. And so, Lord, we just, we just pray that you, Lord, would now work in our hearts to bring us to repentance, but also that we could come up during this time with a real spirit of relying on you. And Lord, right now, any of us that have a divided heart with you, Lord, right now we confess that as well. And we want to have a heart that's holy yours. So during this song, just come up and do business with the Lord. Let this be an altar unto the Lord. And uh, don't leave the same way you came. Don't leave with that same burden in Jesus' name.
let me invite a lot of people to come up and lay hands on the people that are up here praying. Don't let anybody be here praying without a hand on their shoulder. We need a lot of folks here. Come on, we need like 50 people. Come on up here, guys. Come up and lay hands on them. Begin to pray. Let the Spirit of God lead you into prayer. Look around. Don't let anybody be up here without a hand on their shoulder. You can squeeze through people. It's all right. Don't let anybody be up here without a hand on their shoulder. Lord, you know the whole story. So glad we don't have to explain the story to you. You know the whole story. Lord, you know where we just did it in our own strength and messed it up. Lord, you know where we depended on our own ingenuity or money. We manipulated situations. You know all the things, Lord, and we just confess that as sin. Forgive us, Lord, that we didn't come to you first. Forgive us, Lord, that you weren't the one we first cried out to and depended on. Forgive us for that, Lord. And right now, we're changing, Lord. We're turning to you and saying, Lord, we trust you. We trust you in the situation, Lord. You could even take the mess we made and change it and turn it around. We're asking for help, Lord. You are strong. We are weak. Lord, some are just giving their whole situation to you, Lord, right now. Lord, would you show yourself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are completely yours? And Lord, even right now, we, we just take everything about ourselves right now, and we just pull it all together and say, Lord, we want to be completely yours. We don't want to be divided. So Lord, right now, we give ourselves a, just a dedication that we are yours. We belong to you. Lord, in the years to come, we don't want to be those who make you our last resort, not our first line of defense. So Lord, we trust you. We trust you. We rely on you. We love you. And Lord, we pray also, not only for all the individuals here, but for Grace Community Church. Lord, that our 36th year will trust you more than the 35 before. And the 37th year, more than the 36th. And on and on and on, Lord. We want to grow in our confidence in you. Trust in you. And we're so grateful you are the way you are, that you're just looking for people to come support this hearts of yours. We thank you for that. We thank you. We thank you, Lord.